Did you know you can get email alerts about every new episode of this podcast? Sign up for free. Just click the link in the show description. I think the issue of trust is key to the acceptance, the mass market acceptance of new technology. And this is maybe one of the things which is delaying the big push into self-driving. You don't want the software being buggy. You don't want it being hackable. This is Kotecki on Tech. I am James Kotecki, joined today by Roger Ordman, Executive VP of Marketing at Aurora Labs. Welcome, Roger. Thank you, James. Thanks for having me. All right. So you have this company that creates something called self-healing software for self-driving cars. So I'm a marketing guy. You're a marketing guy. Uh, Those are very exciting, buzzworthy terms, but unpack a little bit for me what that actually means. I think what we're seeing in the market today, and we're seeing technologies such as machine learning and artificial intelligence coming to market, and what they're really trying to do is create an independence. Um, So independence around the driving of the vehicle, so the car will be able to analyze what's going on on the road, make decisions on the best way to drive, and then drive and get people from point A, point B safely and securely. What we're saying from a software point of view is that same kind of methodology should apply to software itself. There's a huge amount of software in the car. Some people talk about 100 million lines of code. Some people say even more and growing. And what we're saying is the software as well should be able to monitor itself and detect when things are going wrong, make the necessary changes to keep it running smoothly. So essentially, the car's running smoothly, the mobility service is running smoothly, and everyone's safe and happy. So explain to me the difference between self-healing software, software that can repair itself, versus just getting a software update, which is something that we're all very familiar with? At the moment, as I mentioned, with a huge amount of code in the car, the 100 ECUs and the 100 micro processors in the vehicle, the 100 million lines of code, when there's a problem, finding that problem can be a very, very daunting task, extremely difficult for the, um, for the car manufacturers. So in the first case, what we try to do is help detect what, when something is going wrong, and where exactly it's going wrong so that the car manufacturer, the software owner, can then take the necessary steps to fix it. But in the meantime, while they're working on creating an updated version of software, you don't want the car to be misbehaving. You don't want the car necessarily to the airbag not to work, for example. You want to be able to make sure the car can roll back to the last safe, secure, and certified version where the problem did not exist, to keep the car running smoothly while we're waiting for that new version to be read, to be ready, to be prepared and tested and approved. Once it's there, you then need to deploy it to the vehicle. And that is the over-the-air update. Is what you do basically provide additional software that sits alongside the software that's already in the car, some kind of meta layer of software that's basically monitoring and detecting these things? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, we, are, we become part of the software distribution uh, within the car, within the ecosystem, so that every bit of software that is being deployed on the vehicle has the ability to be self-aware and to detect when problems are going on. But I just want to clarify, this is a, a challenge for all embedded software. While self-driving cars is something that is definitely coming and the need is even greater, any connect, any vehicle today has software and all nearly all vehicles being produced today are connected and can benefit this functionality. In fact, any Internet of Things, any connected device can benefit from this kind of technology. But you're focused primarily on self-driving cars initially, is that right? Or is it it kind of an expansion from there? 
I think that's an expansion. I think we are focused um, at the moment in getting into the current car architectures where we're already bringing value. Tesla today is bringing value even before, even without, regardless of the self-driving part of their car, they're, they're bringing value to the range of the vehicle with updates and the breaking of the, of the Series 3 with updates. So there's a lot of value in mon- managing the software, even in today's connected cars. That will just grow as self-driving cars come along as well. So it's a, it's a matter of the current needs and the future needs. You know, I'm glad you mentioned Tesla. Elon Musk seems to make extremely bold promises about what his cars are going to be able to accomplish in the very near term. But it seems like that's part of a broader problem, which is the hype around self-driving cars and the enthusiasm for them. And if we were to go back, you know, four or five years ago and ask when are self-driving cars going to be here, some people would have said today that they would become, you know, increasingly ubiquitous as of right now or maybe next year. And now it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So what's your overall perspective on what's going on here? So I think, you know, the, the robot, robot taxi will be happening before you and I purchase a car that can drive itself. So I think there's a combination of things that are happening together, and it will be a staged rollout. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be a day where tomorrow everything becomes autonomous. But I think the challenge here, this is something very interesting, is they did a research recently, a, a poll of who would, how many people really trust getting in an autonomous driving vehicle. And about 50% of, of Americans that were polled said they wouldn't trust it yet. And I think the issue of trust is key to the acceptance, the mass market acceptance of new technology. And this is maybe one of the things which is delaying the uh, the big push into self-driving. You need to be able to trust that the functionality of the vehicle, the functionality of the self-driving works as, you know, is going to work. But also the quality of the software is going to, is going to be up to par. You don't want the software being buggy. You don't want it being hackable. So you need to make sure the infrastructure is in place where as you're moving and rolling out new functionality, you're able to make sure you have the tools in place to detect when problems are going wrong and be able to fix them without downtime on the flight to keep the car, the machine, the car and the, or the autonomous technology improving over time. I've seen demos and I'm sure you've seen them as well of people being able to hack uh, cars or you know stop a car or unlock a car from a distance. And obviously uh, car connectivity and the amount of software in cars is what allows that to happen. You can't you know hack into a Model T over Wi-Fi, obviously. With cars becoming more connected, could a hacker shut down not just one individual car for a demonstration project, but could things happen when cars are connected that create security risks for entire fleets of vehicles, or you shut down every car on a given road and cause kind of mass mayhem? Could this be a realistic scenario? Yes, it could. Um, and I think the, I do believe the car industry is paying attention. Um, you know, if, if only for the fear of what it would do to a car maker's brand, if they had a real live hack such as that. Yeah. Um, but, but I do definitely think there's attention being paid to it. There's a lot of technology and investment in technology and in solutions being put into cybersecurity solutions. Uh, it's important to dis- distinguish between two types. You mentioned the kind of, um, if you will, the, terror, the cyber terrorism uh, use case where all the cars will be shut down at the same time, causing mass disruption, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe uh, terrorism is you know, a fear for all of us, unfortunately, in the world we live in. But there's also the ability to hack a car to steal a car. Mm. Um, it's, it's maybe a more realistic uh, case. And even today we hear about car fobs, the key fobs being um, hacked and then being able to people stealing cars. So uh, cyber securing is not just around this, you know, doomsday scenario of, of, uh, of, of terrorism. It's also around commercial 
aspects such as you know stealing vehicles or even stealing data if we're looking at the vehicles today it's all, a lot of talk is about the data being generated by the vehicle that has value then it's worth being it's worth being hacked and stolen so there's also that aspect as well and that's why i do think it is being addressed very seriously that industry I'm curious about the way that we as a society, and by that I mean consumers, companies, policymakers, urban planners, think about transportation and cars now and how that will continue to evolve. You know, companies like Uber and Lyft obviously have created this idea of a distributed transportation uh, kind of on-demand network that in certain urban areas and maybe increasingly more places around the world, you don't have to own a car anymore to have the same kind of mobility because you can use your phone to summon the car. And so the idea that it's a transportation network, pairing that with the idea, as you said, that there's millions or so many, so many lines of code in a car, effectively a car can be thought of as a data generating computer that is on wheels and happens to be able to go places, you know, it just seems like we're getting to a point where we as a society are going to need to think about not just cars, but transportation in a different way. We're both being given the ability to think about it in a different way, and it's kind of being forced on us. What's around the next bend? Like this mindset to the Uber and Lyft happen, the mindset to a car as a computer happen, but what's the next thing that we should be on the lookout for as far as how that mindset shift will take place? I think it's a very interesting uh, time we're in where we're seeing people move uh, from the suburbs into the inner city. We're seeing the rise of the mega city. Again, maybe a bit less so in America where there is so much space and people do have their their cars and their big car driveways and, and, and so on. But if you look in Asia and you look around Europe now, the growth of the, ma- of the big major cities um, and the, um, the congestion in them is such that really owning a vehicle is becoming less and less uh, uh, of the norm. And when you start looking at mobility services, such as the ones you suggested and others, the issue of uptime, the issue of always on, the issue of depending dependency becomes far more critical. I need to be able to, if I'm using a service, I need to be, be able to guarantee that it will arrive when it say it will arrive, that it will take me where it's going to take me without any problems happening on the way. If you can't depend on a service, you won't use it again. So then questions of how do you maintain the quality of that service, how do you maintain the uptime of that service become critical? So it's not just the features of the service, but it is the quality and the uptime of it as well. What we're doing at Aurora Labs is exactly looking at that, building the infrastructure that is enabling these services to continuously um, service the consumers on the one hand, but also create revenue for the, uh, for the service owner on the other. You personally, I know, are based in Israel. Is the company based in Israel? Yes, the company was founded in Tel Aviv, um, but we have offices in uh, in Germany, in Munich, and we have uh, in Detroit, and we're expanding. For better or worse, a lot of the uh, people I talk to come from the United States. So as far as you see it, are we, what are we getting right and what are we kind of behind on when it comes to uh, the decisions we're making here in the U.S.? I think when we look at the, the industry, there's two types of, um, of suppliers, if you will. There's the data-driven ones, and then there's the hardware-driven ones. So the hardware is what I, I call the, the, the traditional industry. So um, the, uh, the Volkswagen Group in Europe, the Toyota Group in, in Japan, the Big Three in Detroit, these are, big in, these are big companies who produce tens of millions of vehicles a year, and they need some, to maintain producing, mass-producing. And they have their challenges, but they have the, ch- the same challenges the world over. And then you have the data-driven companies, which are more the, the Teslas, um, the Ubers, the people who are looking at the new, uh, the new forms of mobility, looking at services, 
and America is leading in that. I think the only uh, word of advice I would give is do not disregard China, because anyone who's been in China and who's following China has sees they have all the necessary ingredients to quickly catch up. They invest a lot in education, they invest a lot in AI, they're investing in electrification, they have mega cities, people don't own cars yet, so they haven't don't have the need to get over the need to owning a car and we're going to see a lot we're going to see a lot of innovation currently it's in china but i expect to see it coming out of china and being introduced to the rest of the world as well roger i want to wrap up here but before i do i want to give you a chance to paint me a picture of your uh, optimistic vision for the future if aurora labs does what it needs to do in partnership with uh, everybody else in the uh, automotive industry and even in the overall internet of things what does it look like in, in 10 years to be um, a consumer in society living my life? What are some things that I can look forward to because of this? The future, as Aurora Labs sees it, is one where you have a great uh, combination of flexibility on the one hand, quality, security, and trust on the other hand. We want the future to be one where you do not, unlike today where you buy a car and the car is stays the same for as long as you own it, we want services and vehicles, no matter what they shape and form they take, to be ones that evolve with you and evolve with your needs and adapt without losing any of the safety and the security and the quality that we're used to from other industries. We believe it's something that's attainable. We believe this is attainable with the right infrastructure around that, that monitors and detects, fixes and updates, and is a future we believe can happen. Roger Ordman of Aurora Labs. Thanks for joining me on Koteki on Tech. Thank you very much for having me. Congratulations, you made it to the end of this episode, which means that maybe you liked it? Maybe show that appreciation with a five-star rating. How about leave a nice comment? Maybe hit the subscribe button. Maybe tell a friend to subscribe and sign up for the email list in the show description. Thanks for listening.